Warning, the Dub Talk podcast contains language and content that may not be suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. There will also be spoilers for various anime throughout the course of this episode. Please use caution in case we discuss a series that you haven't finished yet. Finally, the opinions expressed are those of the individual participants and may not reflect the Dub Talk podcast as a whole. Enjoy the show. Gentlemen, let me set the scene. You just got home from a romantic date with your significant other, and you were ending it by sitting bundled up by the fireplace. You had a beautiful night, and the chemistry has been out of this world. You give a longing gaze to them, and you realize you can't hold back your feelings anymore. You caress them ever so gently, and tell them you have never felt this way about anything before in your life. They understand as they slowly reach down and start undoing your pants. But wait, you think. I need some protection. So you reach over to the dresser and inside the top drawer. Yes, you found it. This will work perfectly. You slip it on and you continue your passionate embrace. After a few brief moments of release, you sigh happily as you take your tube sock off your right hand and place it into the laundry basket. That felt amazing. <laughs> Hello, one and all, and welcome to Dub Talk, the podcast where a group of lovesick nerds get together to talk about the latest and greatest in English dubs. I can't believe um, that Lilac invoked the cum sock within five minutes. That was a spot on <laughs> description of Avenue Q's sex scenes, I gotta say. How much AO3 right? have you been reading? <laughs> It's my masterpiece. Um, I'm Stephanie, she, and I'm joined. She yes. is an artiste. I am an artiste. Oh, I wrote this last night. And I was so proud of it. <laughs> I'm Stephanie, and I'm joined today by Megan, Gigi, and Noah. Wait, wait. I want y'all hear. You hear this? Listen. That is my glass of wine that I've got for this because I feel like we're going to need it tonight. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, we're mm. gonna need a lot of it tonight. Cause guess what? Cabaret. Happy Valentine's Day, bitches! The Yay! Cage Crew is back. Happy Valentine's Day! It's good to have the whole group back together again. Yes. Woo! I get to be the host for this year's Valentine's Day episode, and in pure Cage Crew fashion, cause I could have gone the pure sweet route, but this, but no, <laughs> this is not what we're about here. Um, in pure Cage Crew fashion, I dug deep into the trash pile and came out with a... I wrote this, but it's questionable now. When, uh, when Stephanie I, with a, crawled through with that a pile ma- of anime filth for <laughs> seven miles, and then when she came out, she came out with her hands cleaner than they had been going in. Mm-hmm. Yep, came back with a... Uh, mid-2000s gem, and I wrote that, and that's now debatable. Today, we're going to be talking about the 2004 series from Studio Perot and director Suneo Kobayashi, mm-hmm. Midori Days. All right, my days with Midori. Uh, I used to I drink just... that a lot in college. Oh, did you like it uh, mixed with, uh, what was it? Uh, no, <laughs> Sour no, no, it was... apple pucker and oh, I'm think- sour I'm thinking mix. Of that's a good kind too. I was thinking of the other green drink, which is creme de menthe, which is oh. you, 
Dirty Girl Scouts were like a really easy drink That's to get drunk completely on. Completely different. The, it is. Why you're the right. Fuck it, is, why is there a fucking drink known as the Dirty Girl Scout? It, it, it's it also like a Dirty Shirley. Mint. That's like my actual drink of choice these days. I was gonna say I mix Midori and Mellow Yellow. Oh, that oh, sounds good. Go. There's quite oh, a that sounds good. Quite a bit of. I'm sorry. In this the show. guy who directed this directed good anime like Twelve Kingdoms and Victoria uh, Emma. Emma, yeah, I was about to say. I was about to bring that up. I was like, the, he directed Emma. It's like fuck. <laughs> I think. Man, anyway. I was gonna say, man, how the the mighty have fallen, but <laughs> Emma came out there. But then I saw the Twelve Kingdoms was above it. So yeah, how the mighty have fallen. <laughs> Anyway, uh, if this is the first time you've ever heard about this show, well, welcome to the old people. I consider you lucky. (laughs) Uh, Here's your quick summary. High school delinquent Seiji Sawamura is desperate to have a girlfriend, especially after being rejected by 20 girls as of late. He's afraid that he will end up with, he will end his life with his right hand as his only companion. Apparently that doesn't change when one day he wakes up and discovers that his right hand has become a girl named Midori Kasugano, who confesses that she has had a crush on him for the last three years. And hilarity ensues. Now, of course... I guess. Now, I'm glad that the show actually explains the mechanics of how she becomes attached to his right hand. Uh, he goes to a Zoltar fortune teller machine, and uh, they get attached no, together, no, right? No, That's no, a- no, 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 that, no. That was big. Oh, oh no, I'm sorry. That, uh, you're right, I'm sorry. Uh, so they both go to a Chinese restaurant, crack open a fortune cookie. No, that that's Freaky swap. Friday. Oh, with, sorry, uh, you're right. Um, that's so- various Freaky Fridays, but I'm going to invoke the one with uh, Lindsay Lohan and actual and Jamie anim- Lee Curtis. Actual anime weeb god, Jamie Lee Curtis. Well, well, yes. well, shoot, then how do they get attached? How does that, that magic happen? Because you touch Fuck yourself at I night. <laughs> We're going to be making a lot of masturbation jokes, boys and girls. Just saying that now. Um, As per usual, we're going to be discussing the series from the beginning to its climax. Speaking of masturbation jokes. uh, With the characters, the cast, and the overall thoughts on the English dub. Who's ready to get really intimate? This is going to be fun. Because for for the younger viewers out there, Majority Days was kind of like a seminal, everybody had seen it kind of show. For those who grew up watching their anime in the mid to late 2000s, I feel like it's fallen off the radar. Like it's not as well seen uh, as evidenced by where it's streaming, which we'll get to later. So So some people back there are having nostalgia flashbacks and the rest of you are about to get an education lesson. Oh boy. I will say this. When I said earlier I had to dig through the fucking trash pile, I <laughs> dug through the trash pile. I was looking at my shelf, I'm like, what the fuck do I have that we could do for Valentine's Day? And I had, like, a handful of options. I gave, like, a few out there. We want, we were aiming for a, a one-course show, so that took out, like, what did I have? Uh, Kami-sama Kiss, yeah, yeah. and then there was one other that I had. And then there was a few shorter ones, like Say I Love You. There was another one I can't think of off the top of my head. And then there was Midori Days. And for some reason, everyone was like, let's fucking talk about Midori Days. No, 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 that's y'all. I voted for something else, just so you all know. I need to read you my hero. That was another one I had. My girl Gigi, don't. 
knows her trash. GG voted for GG trash. I was like, let's just pick something that isn't too far because we have to get this out by the fourth. Exactly. Yeah, I know. Well, I think it also uh, helps that I, I did. Has everyone here seen the show before this recording? No, I had only seen. Like most things of the mid two thousands, I learned about what this was through AMV Hell. Ha. So apparently, so, I watched five episodes of this in twenty eleven, according to my anime list, and never watched it again. <laughs> So my here's I was actually about to bring up bring up the same conversation. So I was in a freshman in college and I was in um, my anime club at the time and we do like anime watches on Friday nights. And for some fucking reason, because at the start of every semester, we pick out a slate of shows that we would watch. And for some reason, this show got in. I didn't watch the whole thing at the time. Uh, I kind of skipped it. It wasn't for me. And now I remember exactly why it wasn't for me. Um, but anyway, um, I think we're at this point, we should just dive right into this trash fire mm-hmm. that needs to just go away. It's not that trashy. Okay, so why don't we dive right into um, either a big dumpster fire or mm-hmm. I don't know what else this is. Uh, so thankfully, this is one of those shows that has a rel- relatively small cast. So this is mm-hmm. going to be easy to get through. Mm-hmm. But first, as always, we need to start with the ADR staff. Uh, we have the ADR director, the assistant director, and the person in charge of the script adaptation. And g- g- uh, given that this so- is kind of falling off the map, I don't think that this this group is going to be people that we've heard of before. Right, Stephanie? Mm-hmm. Surprise, surprise, first of all, this is a Media Blasters dub. So I would explain a couple things. Media Blasters, um, a, purveyors another of fine surprise. pornography. <laughs> another fun surprise. So the dub was produced by NYAV Post, uh, which would explain a couple things, including a blooper in one of the outtake <laughs> reels. Um, but in terms of the staffing for this, so... Oh, Lordy. The assistant director, I'll start there, uh, is Alexa Zimmerman, who has also been the assistant director or ADR director uh, for Gal Guy Gar, King of the Braves, Shrine of the Morning Mist, and Night Hunters. And as our ADR director and script adaptation, and voicing the cat as a running gag in the entirety of this fucking show, a fat <laughs> cat who just wants love and to not get hurt by all by a bunch of fucking bullshit. Um, that'd be Sean Schemmel. <laughs> um, the, the Dragon Sean Ball Schemmel, guy? Yeah, yes. Motherfucking Goku. Uh, motherfucking Goku directing Midori Days. Holy uh, shit. <laughs> so Sean has also directed series such as Ah oh My Goddess, Samurai's Deeper Kyo, and Weathering Continent, and he's also done the script adaptation work for Samurai Deeper Kyo, Sea of Se- Seven of Seven, and Space Pirate Mito. A lot of the stuff he has doesn't have a lot of directing credits under his name, but a lot of the things that he has directed, he also wrote for. Um, so starting off with that. Uh, how do we feel about the directing and running of the show? Because this show, it came out in two th- in spring of 2004, so the dub probably was maybe, what, 2005? Between the period of, like, maybe 2005 and 2007, according if we to, have that window. According to release dates, the first American DVDs came out in spring 2005. So, yeah, about a year after okay. it, what, it broadcast in Japan. That makes sense. That makes sense. I think I bought, I, got, I bought my set... At Anime Boston, the first time I was there. In- yes, I was with you. I think I encouraged you to buy it. 
No, you were not. You were not with me oh. because I was dating my ex at the time. <laughs> oh, <laughs> mind, um, did you get the complete uh, collection that com came with the stickers inside of it? So mine had the box. Okay. Um, with mine is the box with the three um individual DVD sets. Gotcha. Um, I can't remember the vendor I directly bought it from. I got it on like a Sunday. It was like twenty. 30, 20 to 30 bucks so it was cheap um just like the show <laughs> <laughs> in more ways than one um but no it was my first anime boston because the first couple of times i went to anime boston was with the anime club i was with in college um so i remember distinctly my first anime boston i bought it there but anyway mm -hmm. directing and writing what do we think this is uh, in very indicative of the time period because if you do not have the subtitles on or you're not watching in the original Japanese, you're going to miss a whole lot of random Japanese pop culture references that kind of get scrubbed out of the whole uh, English dub. Uh, they were obviously going for a, a more mainstream American audience that didn't need to look up definitions. Um, here's one example. When Rin is describing her training regiment for Seiji when they were kids, there's a scene of her holding him by his ankles and he's underwater when they were kids. And in the in the sub, he, she says, uh, I went all Inugami clan on him. And I was like, what does that mean? So I looked it up. Uh, what she's evoking is if you look up the... Unigami Family. It's a 1976 film where the poster, the movie poster, is these dead legs poking up out of the water because obviously the person is huh. dead. So that's the kind. Oh Jesus! That's the kind of uh, like references that get thrown into the original that they didn't really retain in the Japanese. Same thing with food too. There's a lot of uh, different foods that kind of get uh, either. Uh, I think they turn a Japanese pasta dish and they just call it spaghetti. They did we get a jelly donut? There was no jelly donuts. I looked, I simply <laughs> yeah. looked for that freaking thing because this is NYAV post. So I'm like, are you keeping mm -hmm. the tradition alive and well? But no, that was not one. So, the that only way, said, oh, sorry, go ahead, Noah. Oh, it's, I was gonna say, it's I'm complimenting them because they had the task of adapting uh some pop culture references uh in a way that wouldn't need to be looked up and they didn't need to do the adv thing where you put a translator translator's note up on the screen so for that mm -hmm. i give uh sean and um Blake, alexa. alexa uh, a lot of props for that especially for a show that uh wasn't i don't think this ever got like a television broadcast either so this was very much Probably a not. just for there's a reason this never got a television broadcast <laughs> For so some they, reason, there are a lot of tits in this show when there doesn't need to be. There are two major <laughs> reasons why. <laughs> but, so shout out to anyone who watched the show in like on YouTube where they, they censored the tits by like drawing a black bar so that as the camera pans over to the tits, the black bar just kind of like covers up the nipple region. Like that's the real way to watch it, not the uncensored version. <laughs> This is oh a Christian God. anime oh YouTube. <laughs> yes, this was on the, oh my God. the Trinity Broadcasting Network. Loves Midori Days. Speaking of um, the pop culture references and stuff, um, what what the English dub does and what you kind of was talking about, um, they do have some lines and some moments where they bring in pop culture references that us here in the United States would understand. And then there um, are just some that are just like, very internet culture-y. Like, I think somebody said I'm going to put on uh, Less Fighting Love at one point. <laughs> what? Oh, the song? Yeah, yeah they're like, <laughs> um, 
No, it was a. Uh, I don't know what it was, but it's it stood out, and it was like, oh hey, let me put this karaoke track on. It's uh. Oh yeah. Um, oh okay. Yeah, when they yeah. go out karaoke aiming. Yeah. Also, B, Noah, thank you for saying the Trinity Network thing, because I thought of a very horrible idea that I must get out of my brain at this moment. Oh, Proceed. No. Okay, so you said how uh, the Trinity Network loves Midori Days? Yes. So Can't now I'm otherwise. thinking of, like, the American Christian version of Midori Days called, oh, no. Je called Jesus Days, where... <laughs> <laughs> where where a, a horrible American delinquent boy skips his Catholic school and one day wakes up with Jesus as his right hand and they go on wacky hijink adventures for him to become a good Christian boy again. Oh my god. Oh, my god. oh Kirk Cameron needs to steal that and put it on GAC. <laughs> I would watch the hell out of that show. Jesus Coon. No. Making wine with one hand. Mm -hmm. Jesus Coon. Jesus, Jesus Coon. Ch Jesus Sean. Jesus Pals. The time that uh, in the sand where there was only Midori one set Jesus of Jesus days, my only date with Jesus. <laughs> my days with Jesus. That's and at the, end, at, the, at the end when like Jesus goes back into heaven and he's going through the park to like look for Jesus, he's like, my life was so much better with Jesus. A part of me is lost now. It leads him to like a Catholic church and the Pope walks out and goes, he's inside, come this way. And that's where it ends. Oh my god. And the, guy goes, this ending. And the guy goes on to become a priest. I love it. Give me ten episodes. Anyway. <laughs> the, point I'm, the point I was making. Because I wrote down a couple of fun random... Are you imagining things. Hand Jesus giving the kid a blowjob? <laughs> Megan! Megan! Is that why you're giggling? Not anymore. Me <laughs> Megan, would, would you say that this idea of yours is better or worse than handshakers? I mean, Jesus was shaking hands, but not the way you think. Jesus, take the wheel. I'm sorry. He doesn't know how to drive. I'm sorry. What were you trying to say, Steph? I wrote down a couple of um, pop culture lines that like folks in the U.S. would get. There's a Sailor Moon reference in the show. Yeah, boy. So that was good. There was also a Star Trek reference. Yeah, I caught that one. That's it. I'm killing the Trekkie. Yeah. <laughs> because fucking Kota is like talking about like understanding and just like nonviolence and shit. <laughs> Someone was called Numb Nuts early on. Mm -hmm. I only wrote a few. <laughs> well, th this is in the this dub, one... right? <clears throat> Correct. Um, there is one line that I, for some fucking reason, like, uh, it's one of my favorites. It's in episode 12, and it's after after Seiji loses Midori, and uh, he's free, essentially. So him and- uh, so he skips school, and him and his friend, um, Osamu, they go and buy a bunch of fucking porn. Now- <laughs> as you do. You mad dog. Now he comes- he runs into a group of, like, a rival gang of sorts, essentially, from another school- and Seiji is just telling Osamu to just, like, run away. And Osamu's like, but I could stand and fight! <laughs> Seiji's like, I'm not worried about you. It's that bag, bag of, of ass, ass I, I just bought. bought. The porn shop. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> like, I was like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, they're not, um, they're not perfectly loyal to the script. 
to the That's original. Okay. No, they anyway. don't need to That's be, fine, and they shouldn't be. Uh, I heard the word tits in episode one, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, so this is how this dub is going to go. <laughs> and then they like said tits again, and I was like, okay, I'm laughing a little. And then they called somebody a douche, and I laughed some more. And I was like, wow, my South Park humor is still intact. Like, this is a thing that's happening. I don't even know. I was just laughing at these dumbass things. However, there are uh, some two very bad cultural things that happen in here that you definitely could not put in a dub today. Ooh, can Let's I guess cancel, one? Cancel can culture, one? rear its ugly head. Yes, please do. Was one of them when the uh, little girl character is trying on different outfits to seduce uh, Seiji, and uh, she does like a very bad stereotypical one Chinese impression. Dominate- Yes, Noah got uh, it. All right, okay. I'm taking I a shot for that. The dominatrix it's, self it's that probably the, the very, wearing. very, very horrible, horrible stereotypical accents that they. It, yeah, very yeah. bad. There was another one. There was a Japanese one too. Towards the there end, a, and I, I was just like, and another Stop. Chinese one. The, the shamans, the shamans that came through. Yeah, I one of those, sh- one of the many shamans in there. By the way, is fucking Dan Green. As an FYI, did he all right. like a chicken? <laughs> Did he what? Did he cluck like a chicken? That would have been appropriate. <laughs> that would have been appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> um, God. But anyway, other thoughts on the directing writing of the show? Yummy Yugi is, is Midori on regular Yugi. Um, <laughs> not, not the direction I wanted, but okay. Uh, no, because I have not very nice things to say about the stuff, and I'm going to say oh, them. Oh, I know. I mean, pro- it's a mid-2000s trash pile. Yeah, here's pro- the thing. You can, here's the thing. Oh, like, most people are like, oh, it's a dub before like 2009. It's fine. It's like, no, no, it's not. Because there are a no. lot of dubs that come out in the same era that were done over in, I think, like California that were really good. Like, and, that, mm-hmm. and like, yeah. and the thing is this I hate to be this person. I really do. But I do not associate media blasters and quality very often. Um, hey, Blaster. we got Aino Kusabi from Media Blasters. For I said I mean, often. For we got Aino K- and and like, they did produce um, uh, Magic Knight Ray Earth back in the, the pre-internet era. That, that was terrible. Anyway, <laughs> if I could make my point, is that ninety-five percent of the time, the the coin the, the the wheel of quality and not quality for Media Blasters ends on the not quality side. And uh, this, the only thing I could tell based off of the mixing and a lot of the acting and directing, no offense to Sean, was that it felt cheap. Um, I remember when Noah was messaging us before we started, he had actually asked, does anybody hear a buzzing in the back of the English audio? And and I'm like- Remember he mentioned that. Yeah, remember you asked us, I can pull up the receipts. Um. (laughs) <laughs> I, I genuinely did not like a lot of the wall work in this. I didn't like a lot of the the actor selecting for this. I obviously get that this is back in 04, so things like remote recording weren't available. And mm-hmm. NYAB Post obviously implies the letters NY for New York. Um, and New York is a limited talent pool in and of itself. Yeah. So, But even then, I feel like they could have potentially made this work and i get they're not working with the strongest material this show is fucking sucks like i do have nice words for this show i think the show is terrible and i've watched a lot of pretty terrible shit this was kind of up there for me in terms of just really bad and i'll get to it when we talk about one of the characters really um 
Okay. Yeah, I, I genuinely did not like this show, and I do not like a okay. lot of what happened in it and what caused certain characters to act a certain way. Okay. Uh, also, like, I also got turned off by a lot of things. Like, I don't want to see a fucking grade school girl getting a dominatrix outfit and whip yeah, some, no. and whip that, some dude in the face and whip but, some dude around. Like, that's that's really creepy when I'm, like, a 31-year-old woman. But that's not nothing to do with the dub. No, I'm saying that this is because it's not working with good material. Like... I've explained this before to people who've been on episodes with me, like, you can make a good dub out of a bad show, but you're still not going to be, your dub may still not be as strong as a a dub that had stronger material to work with. I don't think that this show had a lot going for it going in, so, like, the dub just kind of doesn't feel as good to me. And I genuinely do have a lot of issues with some of the vocal performances, some of the uh, choices to what the char- were done to characters' voices. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just genuinely I thought the dub was just okay. Okay, like I felt it very yeah. to be very, but I did feel like it is. It was a very cheaply. It felt very cheaply produced, especially considering that there were other dubs made around that time that sound better. And even maybe before that, that sound better than this. Mid two thousands and Perot in the and cheap in the same sentence never been done before. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it it was weird because like through a lot of parts I watched with Chris and I was like, what did he just say? Like I can't understand what they're saying. Like they were like mumbling something or talking yeah. too quickly that I couldn't understand it, or they like let the joke fall which i think is terrible if you're gonna say a joke like let the joke go don't let it fall um it just it really did sound cheap like to the point where i wish i had subtitles on it Tubi doesn't have subtitles so i watch this with ads kill me same here uh like the mixing was really bad like i'm sorry i know it's like 2005 or whatever but Mm -hmm. I mean, hi, we got Sailor Moon before this, and Sailor Moon was fine. Like, not that I'm what? holding everything that's, you know, before the year 2010 to, this is what Sailor Moon did, but at the same time, it was just, the casting was kind of boring. I don't know who any of these people are. Um, it just, they could have made it really interesting, and by interesting, I mean they basically could have made a bunch of shitty jokes the entire time, and oh, they didn't. No. They just got lazy. They could have leaned into the so bad it's good territory. They could have. And that's kind of what you wanted in a way. Yeah, because this show is fucking terrible. But they didn't. But the outtakes were hysterical. The outtakes were gold. Okay, fine. That's without question. The outtakes were fucking gold. (laughs) I love love that Media Blaster's saving grace was that they put outtakes on their DVDs. Look, if they would have just let the dub go the way the outtakes were, I would have been way more interested in watching it other than, yeah, oh my this, god, I have to get through this. This bag trying to give him a notebook. <laughs> no, but also, like, here's the thing. Um, here's the thing about that. Because I, I, I've gotten into this debate with some people. Because people are like, oh, they should do most, uh, more, um, more ghost story dubs. Ghost stories more dubs like deal. ghost stories. The ghost story like, argument, yep. It's like, no, it's like, the ghost stories dub is a thing of its time. Um, is very much a thing of its time. And the thing is that, in my opinion, um, if you're going to do that, you might as well produce two dub tracks. 
And no studio is going to fucking do that. Right. Because, that... because I do think that even if the story is shitty, like, even if I personally think that this anime is fucking garbage, someone out there is probably really going to like this fucking show. This is yeah. probably somebody's favorite goddamn anime. You know, True. and I'm not saying that they should have gagged up the whole thing, but if they Punch were going to lean in... If they were going to lean into the douches and the tits and all the weird South Parky jokes, make it sound should... like South Park. Okay. So keep like the more crass language and stuff. Don't just cheap out on it. Yeah. Like go As go opposed for to it. like just go full Like kind of kind of commit to it a little bit more. Yeah. Well, like you're the... uncensored. Like there's boobs everywhere. There's a boob yeah. joke every that's episode fair. that's very not tasteful. So just make your whole thing not tasteful and call it a day. But here's the thing is that you're not dealing with uh, traditionally nice characters. These are delinquent. Most of them are delinquent school kids. So you actually have an in-character reason for them to be acting that way. Whereas the dub and the actors and the directors do not make the characters who are the nicer characters. Like they don't make Midori say super crass things. They don't make her milk toast best friend char- male character talk like that. It's only the characters who like have more of a rough edge to them, like Seiji mm-hmm. and his sister. So right, that and that's is fine. in character. That's that's fine. It, they just should have committed more to it. I, I disagree. I, I feel like they. I feel like the dub was trying to capture naturally the uh, this time period, which it was the dying days of the delinquent school kid genre. Uh, like we kind of saw it peak in the eighties, uh, like the Akira time period. Uh, it lingered on through the nineties with stuff like Great Teacher Onizuka and Yu Yu Hakusho, and then in this time period, it was petering off with stuff like Cromarty High School was almost becoming a parody of it, and you see remnants mm. of it in something like Midori Days, where the characters are evocative of that. So, how do you translate that into a show that's ultimately a romance story? Honestly, the show that this is the closest to, tone-wise, in the original, is Fruits Basket. When what? it comes to, when it comes to, no, just when it comes to, like, a uh, nice, sweet girl who has a crush, on, well, develops a crush on a bad boy character, and the two of them complement each other. And that's the heart of the show. It's surrounded by a whole bunch of, as you guys were saying, substandard characters, cliche tropes. Did we really need a Comic-Con episode or the puppet doll otaku character no we did not need any of that we needed more sweet episodes of midori and seiji together and those are the good parts of the show it's just a shame that we had to surround it with a whole bunch of uh uh school rep classmate trying to hit on seiji or hey let's have our sister take us out to drinking with her biker gang characters no we didn't need any of that so what you're saying then basically is the core of the show kind of got lost in translation with the surrounding elements. It absolutely did. Is how you're feeling. Okay. Yeah. I can kind of see that um, a little bit because... So I think the directing and writing was okay. It's not something to write home about. Um, the performances kind of either leaned towards a little bit stale on one end to like obnoxious on the other mm-hmm. um there was really not much of an in-between it was almost either one end of the spectrum or the other almost constantly um it's not something to write home about um which sucks because i'm kind of torn about how i would i how i would have imagined to take this material because on the one hand i'm in the camp with Gigi of like 
if they would commit a little bit more to some of the jokes, it might give it a little bit more life and flavor to it. Um, but I also see Noah's conundrum of the core of the story just being surrounded by a bunch of like noise to drown it out. And so by the end of it, for me, once everything was resolved, I was like, huh. So, okay, that was a thing. Didn't spend nearly enough time on that central conflict. Honestly, yeah, right. like, honestly, like, I didn't mind, like, I'll get into why I hate the whole, like, love triangle that it attempted to have. But, like, I didn't mind the stuff with, like, the, the two girls trying to get him, uh, with Seiji obviously going to eventually fall for Midori. Like, there was no other person he was going to fall for. Right. I just have issues with how that was set up. With the motivation as to why this other girl liked him in the yeah, first place. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I almost dropped, like, I almost literally dropped the show. Like, you if were I, pissed. I, if, I would, if I was watching this on my own, I would have dropped the show right then and fucking there. Just to I let our like listeners you. know, she set the Skype chat, no, the um, the Twitter chat on fire, basically, when trying yeah, to watch that I was, episode. I was, she was, not I was fucking pissed. Yeah, she was not thrilled when this came up. Um, I mean, okay. Are there any other thoughts in terms of the directing and writing? Uh, it feels like it. It feels like consensus-wise, it's a mix of like a little bit underwhelming, a little stale, um, a product of its time kind of thing. That's the vibe I'm kind of getting. Does that sound about right? It is. The, the, only, do, the last thing I, I'd like to note is that the uh, looking at the credits, something I didn't realize is that the show itself was actually produced by Bandai Visual, but the show was not mm -hmm. released by Bandai US, and they were releasing stuff in this time period when the show was available. So I have to assume yeah. that they, if it wasn't for the crass visual stuff, like the, the tits, which I mean, they're natural people, but still it doesn't belong in a show like this. Then it probably would have been released by Bondi themselves, but they opted it off to media blasters instead. Who knows what the reasoning is. Um, are we good to move on to our first massive group of characters Let, i will say that uh that sean shemmel does voice the best character and that is the cat yes gigolo that is the best cat he is the best cat we we all we want good things for him and it seems like that by the end of the show he has a lady friend so good on that cat. all right let's go okay so from here on out there's essentially two groups of um characters uh, one is going to be Seiji and Midori, but we're going to talk about them later on. Um, this group is just essentially as Everybody all of the secondary characters. All the other people on the box. Yep, all the other people in the box. So we have... Oh, right off the bat. Um, so we have Megan's favorite person, uh, Takako Ayase. Uh, she is I, the... Not, I, don't, I, I like Takako. I don't like what they do to Takako's character. Okay, fair enough. Uh, she is the class representative for Seiji's class. She originally detested him, but after... Here's where it comes in. But after Seiji saves her from a gang, she begins to harbor a secret attraction to him. Unfortunately for her, all of her plans to confess her feelings to him fail, either through Seiji's obliviousness or outside circumstances. I fucking have the wiki pulled up because I barely remember what some of these characters are doing. Um, so, long story short, the reason why Takako likes him is um, this gang was about to, well, okay, uh, potentially do bad things to her. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's um, not implied at all. Well, I mean, it's 
they're, they're dragging her it's off, in... and no one does anything. None of the class no, does anything. No, 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 it's worse than fucking that. It's, not only does nobody help her, it's that a bunch of people then say she fucking deserves it. That's the other part. Yeah, that, that, I think that's the part that really sent Megan into orbit and not in a good way. Mm-hmm. Like, I th- anyway, yeah. um... So yeah, Takako. Uh, <laughs> then we have Rin Sawamura. Uh, he is Seiji's violent older sister. Oh, she, she sorry. I hope she. Uh, she, is- she is very much a she, as we see in episode three. <laughs> she is the former leader of a powerful street gang, and her favorite hobbies are drinking, beating up Seiji, and taking his allowance. She was the one who taught him how to fight when they were young. Um, She shows up every once in a while. We have... <laughs> Oh, sweet lord. Uh, mini dominatrix in the making, I guess. Uh, Shiori Tsukishima. Why don't you just have a seat uh, right she... over here? Just just have a seat over here. Uh, she, yeah, have a seat, ladies and gentlemen. Um, she is a 10-year-old neighbor of Seiji's who has a crush on him. She tries a variety of ways to gain his attention, even going as far as asking Rin what kind of women Seiji likes. <laughs> However, he never takes her advances seriously, as he still treats her like a child. Thank you God. for that, dear sweet lord. That could have been awful. Um, <laughs> then we have Shuichi Takimizawa. He is a classmate of Seiji's who is a doll otaku. He always carries around a doll of a fictional anime character named Ultramarin and seems to have a creepy obsession with the character. He is also good at making clothes for dolls, a talent which means an expanded wardrobe for the miniature Midori when he finds out Seiji's secret. So, side note, Rin and Takimizawa are two of the three people who find out what is the deal with Midori. Mm -hmm. Um, The the third one is actually uh, Kota... Wow. Shinjioji. That's a mouthful. Um, He is a childhood friend of Midori's who is also a fellow first year at uh, the same high school as Midori. He always he was always in love with Midori, but over the course of the series, he manages to develop feelings for. S- what the fuck? <laughs> I am sorry. This wiki has manga spoilers. Listen to this shit. But over the course of the series, he manages to develop feelings for Seiji that make the miniature Midori extremely nervous. Oh, yeah, that, that would he's bisexual it. because I don't know. The show also needed biphobia for some reason. Why not? Um, there's a manga based on this show, it, by the way. And it ran for well, two the show is based on a manga, years. other way around. Yeah. Um, and then the last character we're going to talk about is Osamu Mayahara. Uh, he is uh, he's a year younger than Seiji, and he goes to Seiji's school uh, as an underclassman. He idolizes Seiji for his fighting skills, and is arguably the closest thing to a friend Seiji had before Midori. However, he seemingly can't cannot keep himself out of trouble as he constantly gets caught by rival gangs. Another no- so. yeah, just a quick note on the the time period this is. If this show had been made like even 5 years later, uh Osamu would have definitely referred to Seiji as his senpai because in the original Japanese, uh Seiji refers to him as his kohai because you know he is one yep. year younger. That's the class dynamic. But they never put the word uh kohai or senpai yeah, they never in the that. dub anywhere. Okay, so in terms of who voices these characters, as Takako Ayase, we have Molly Weaver. She has voiced characters such as Mizuho Hamaji in Shrine of the Morning Mist, Saiko Toba in, oh, this is going to be a mouthful, 
So Hiroden, Legend of the Dragon Kings, and Renee Roberts in Tokyo Mew Mew. The, the four the kids dub, let's the original. Um, as Reen Sawamura, we have Zoe Martin, who has voiced Kayade Shiranai in Ninja Nonsense, um, Myron Mayron in Pokemon Mega Evolution Specials, and Yuit in Queen's Blade Revol- Rebellion. As Shiori Tsukishima, we have Michelle O'Medellin, who has voiced characters such as Kyo in Legend of Himiko, uh, and Randy, Randy and Maze and Erica in the 1997 Berserk film, uh, Berserk series. She was also in the original trilogy of films. Um, Shuichi Takimizawa is Joshua Pope. Pope Noe, uh, he, there's not much on him either. Uh, he oh. voiced Yuri's Borg in Alien 9 and Brandt in Maytel Legend. Uh, Stephanie, I'm sorry, you cannot mention Alien mm-hmm. 9 and just write it off like that. That is one of the greatest anime that you should never, ever watch. <laughs> is it also, a, is it a hentai? It's not a hentai. It, it's in that it school of post-Evangelion <laughs> horror shows with uh, little kids of the main characters. Oh, it is oh. in Digimon. Ah. It's in Digimon Tamers realms. Gotcha. That yes. being good, as, like Tamers. <laughs> so next we have Kota. As Kota, we have Sebastian Arculus, who has voiced Rex Owen in Dinosaur King, uh, Yuichi Minami in Goku Sen, and Yu Asakura in Shaman King, the original Shaman King. Um, as Osamu, finally, we have Sean Elias Reese, who has voiced uh, mostly minor characters in Berserk and Giant Robo. However, you might know him as Professor Rowan in Pokemon Diamond and Pearl. Ah. So, <laughs> I don't know where we want to go with this. this is, How do we feel about these This is quite a New York cast, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. As a side note, we're not talking about her. Um, Midori's mom... <laughs> By the way, uh, Rachel Lillis. Midori's poor mom, who for some reason doesn't put clothes on her daughter in a coma. Right. Yeah. Weird. This this, hmm. this show is weird. I yeah. I just want yeah. I just wanted to preface in this discussion that just because actors don't have a lot of credits to their name, and we in the year of our Lord twenty twenty three have not heard very much from them, does not mean that it automatically means they are not talented or have not paid their dues in the voice acting sphere. So if we right. we come across as saying like I don't know who this person is, it's not an indication of that's their talent. Also, at the same time, um. These actors might not just be voiceover actors. They could be doing commercial. <laughs> they could be doing radio. They could be doing TV, film. We don't know. That is true. Um, voiceover is just, for some of these voiceovers, is just not their primary career of choice, which is perfectly fine. Now, that being said, uh, some, mm. someone in this group made a comment not too long ago about it's either they played the character very straight or very obnoxious. And in this group, we mm. get the dynamics of both of those sides. So I'm going to assume. Yes! I'm going to assume that uh, when that comment was made, you were thinking particularly about Takimizawa on the obnoxious side of things, and then you were thinking mm. of of um, Kota for the the stale side, yeah. of the Wonder Bread side of things. Yep. Yeah. Who's Mihara yeah. again? Um, Mi- Mihara. Oh, Osamu. That's Sean Elias. Re- Re- oh yeah, he's the Professor. Rowan. Oh, is yeah. he the guy that is he the little like punk friend? Yes. No. He's the punk oh, no, friend saying, of yes. Sages who sometimes gets his ass kidnapped like half the fucking time and gets his ass handed to him by other guys. Finally, the That's teenage him. version of Mokuba. <laughs> yeah, so... kind of. 
Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> we did it. We let Mocha Book grow up. He has a he has what looks to be a slick back mullet happening. Too. So why did I think that he was played by Cameron Clark? And right. he's clearly not. Oh, that's on the other side of the country. Well, I heard Snoopy from Snoopy the Musical from the cartoon oh, version. Oh, this is where you heard yeah. it. Yeah, and I was like, oh my god, it's Snoopy. And Chris was like, what the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? And I was like, Snoopy the Musical. And he's like, Snoopy doesn't talk. I said, bitch, Snoopy don't. <laughs> Snoopy talks. He also sings. <laughs> He wants oh, to be the big there are, there, are a couple, there are a couple iterations where, uh, where Snoopy does uh, Only in the Broadway version. So only in the musical that. adaptations. Well, sad to say it wasn't him, so then I was very sad. Yes. Um, <laughs> but I did find out that the guy who was Snoopy in Snoopy the Musical is also the voice of Leonardo in the original Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. Uh, so go. I found that out when I was Googling this show, and I'm forever grateful. By the way, you should YouTube okay. Snoopy the Musical 1988 and realize that every song lives rent-free in my head at every moment of the day. Um, Cam Clark is a chill dude, by the way. I met him, God, last year or the year before. It might have been the first time I was at Kineticon. Yeah, the first time I was at Kineticon, because they had all four of the original um, Ninja Turtles there. Oh my God, Um, the dream. I got him to sign... I got him to sign the volume of monster that I have because he is a character in that. You win your course. monster manga. All right. Oh it's my ever-growing so, project. So, so, yeah, I thought it was Snoopy, note. so I thought it was good. And then it wasn't Snoopy. And I was like, it's still okay, but it's not Snoopy. Kota, I said, meh. Yeah, meh. The defense that I think uh, anyone can lean on for the choices for how to direct these characters in English is that if you switch over to the Japanese audio, many of them sound very similar to their Japanese counterparts. Honestly, Takamizawa sounds just as obnoxious in the original Japanese. The only character in this group who sounds different in English than Japanese is honestly Rin. Uh, Rin's Japanese is a much raspier, growlier, like more slurred mm. speaking voice. I'm you know, not because sure what... she's okay. she's literally 95% alcohol at this point. Well, no, it's not that. It, <laughs> it, no, it, it's supposed to be like uh, unrefined. It's like almost an, Os- an Osakan accent. Uh, just, you know, that like slurred uh, backwater kind of dialect. Yeah, I get it. They didn't. Yeah. Like, Thank you, Gigi. Uh, Zoe does not give Rin that voice. Uh, she gives her a very big sister affectation who is very easy to mm-hmm. understand. Uh, even when she yeah. gets in her drunken or moments, she she's just she's just a mean drunk. I mean, yeah. But to be fair, I've heard better drunk Omesama <laughs> voices. I mean, it was decent, but it wasn't like to the point where it it could have been. I'm sorry. Like, I don't think it was supposed to be funny. I mean, she really reminded me of Ryoko from Tenchi Mio, so that's kind of like <laughs> what I was hoping for, and then it didn't oh, go good. there. Yeah. Great. Sorry. Now I want her to make a cameo in Owl House now. Oh, no. Oh <laughs> the best. No. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No. The long-lost third sister. Yeah, so I, I agree with Gigi that I've heard better drunk Oni-san voices. Um, uh, one other thing that they kind of cut out of the dub is that uh, Rin keeps referring to herself as Orin, as, like, her, like, badass uh, gangster name. And I don't know what that's oh. supposed to mean. Like, I don't know if that's... Hmm. Like, I looked it up. When you type in the words Japanese Orin, you just get pictures of bells. It's like a ceremonial <laughs> bell. Is what an Orin is. So okay. I don't know. I, I don't know. That's a translation. They got lost in translation. It's One Sama plus Rin. Orin. Do you think that's what it is? Yeah. That's my guess. Probably, yeah. Okay. 
So, anyways, I had no problems with Zoe as Rin. I thought she serviced the character well, even when she's being incredibly despicable and encouraging underage characters to hit on the main oh, character. Oh, God. To sexually, God. Harass their, sexually harass adults. Uh, I, I, eh, I'm okay with Zoe as Rin. There are times where she's a little bit too obnoxious for my taste, but, like, yeah. I think if, again, like, maybe if this was, like, a later, dubbed at a later time, it could be a little bit more refined. Uh, Shiori. Oh, Shiori. <laughs> so, what are you doing here, exactly? Shiori, why? Uh, she is also- I'm- I'm- She is have, also I'm, obnoxious. I, Michelle does her best to play this mm-hmm. obnoxious child. But I, for the life of me, do not understand why this show had the fucking nerve to interplay a genuinely a good attempt at a serious episode in which this yes. poor girl is dealing with coming to terms of having a stepmom. Mm-hmm. Right. Interplayed with her sexually harassing Seiji. And, like, why? And you didn't that. mean that. And when Zoe got to do that stuff, she was fine. When she was doing the other half, it was like, you mean you mean Michelle, not Zoe. I'm sorry, Michelle was doing that stuff. It was fine. It was pretty good. It was pretty convincing. Yeah. And then you're like watching the rest of it, and you're just thinking, "I'm going to jail." <laughs> they <laughs> like like they call her jailbait at the... some point. Yes, uh, and it's yeah, they it, did, which is also really fucking creepy. Yeah. Um, no, like the highlight for Michelle's performance for me is all of the stuff in that episode with the stepmom. Stuff. Also, why did she like, get slapped for having so completely good. valid fucking feelings? This uh, show, I... this mom apparently came from the um, uh, Utena school of how to deal with people. Slap. <laughs> um, fuck. Uh, I still need to watch Utena. Uh, Takimizawa. I actually didn't have that much of a problem with Josh. Um, he was fine. Like, he, uh, really? they, it was. It, it could have been it towards could, stereotype, like uh, but at this, mid two thousands otaku stereotype, which was okay. Yeah, and it's just I like guess. it's okay. It's just really dated, and I didn't particularly care about it. Yeah, that's um, the thing. It's kind of. I dated, honestly yeah. felt kind of bad for him at points, just because everybody was like shitting on him for being like you know a doll otaku when, like, he was actually like outside of his doll obsession, he was actually a genuinely nice guy. Yeah, like he yeah. stopped. Midori from getting peeped on in her dream. Yes! Yeah. I liked that! Like, his And he was, was, like, um... genuinely actually kind of athletic. He's just a weirdo and I hate that the show, like, made him out to be a joke. But he was fine. Uh, poor... Se- <laughs> yeah, he was so, Poor Sebastian as Kota. Uh... Oh, no. First of all, one, <laughs> I want to know why they, they stripped this kid down into his underwear and I could see a bulge in his undies. Oh my god. Equal opportunity fan service. My guy, you have not hit puberty. You don't sound like that. Why do you have a bulge down anyway, What is wrong with you? Uh, I thought he was fine. I thought he was okay. He didn't. He, it was honestly hard to hear him. It felt like he was whispering every fucking line that he had. Yes, um, it was very, very quiet. And because of that, I felt like it was very, like, hushed and maybe sometimes monotone, which is where the stale vibes yeah. got, come from for me. Uh,. I don't really have a lot to say about Sean because uh, other than he was probably my favorite out of this group of people because he was, while he was super obnoxious, he at least was kind of funny and pathetic in a way. But man, let's talk about Molly Weaver as Takako, who I think Takako gets the worst fucking arc of this show. Uh, Not because I am against there being a love triangle in this show, no, but because of how Mm -hmm. it set the fuck up. Um, I think Molly is fine. 
I wish I liked her better when she was more soft spoken and doing kind of the internal, mm -hmm. like her life as a love story bit. But when she was screaming, the shoujo yeah. manga bits were kind of amusing. Yeah, but when she was like screaming her her lungs out, I was just out of it. But I kind of mm -hmm. hate the fact that she only has a crush on Seiji. Mm -hmm. Not because she genuinely started seeing him doing better, but no, he saved her from almost getting gang raped. And well, yeah. well, it wasn't just that. It was also that she saw that he did not fight a group when he could have taken them on, and that he only uh, threw himself down so that the gang did not uh, cause trouble for the other students of the school. Yeah, but they also, you know, attempted to gang rape her. They, they did, I don't disagree with that. I'm and just saying also, that. And also, you know, the whole scene where where it's like, wow, she deserves it because she's such a bitch. Like, I genuinely yeah. don't like the set that being part of the setup. I feel like you could have done that. Like, you could have left the like implied thing out of it, and maybe it would have mm -hmm. worked better. I just, yeah. I, I genuinely just wish that this girl got like better than she got in the show. Yeah, she deserves. I feel like, I feel like, um. There could have been a with that specifically. I feel like there could have been a better line choice than like she kind of deserves it. That kind of deal. There's, I feel like if that was a better like decision of a line choice, there, it would completely kind of flip things around. Because those kids were scared. So if you played up the scared kids not wanting to get involved, you know what I mean? Yeah. A mm -hmm. little bit more than just saying like, oh, she fucking deserves it. That kind of deal. Like. It would be a completely different feel, you know what I mean? To be fair, in the original Japanese, there uh, there's a mix of lines from the crowd as she's getting dragged mm -hmm. away. One of them is okay. the, she deserves it for getting involved, she should have just stayed away. But another one is, should somebody call the teacher? And someone in response, okay, yeah. well, no, what happens is someone says, uh, I'm sure someone has already done that. There's a philosophy, mm. there's this uh, phenomenon in crime where if something's happening uh, that's bad in public, Everyone assumes that yeah. someone else has called the authorities or done something about yeah, it. I know, so but no I one does anything. Call this out because it's still dumb. No, no, no. I a hundred like hundred percent. That's val like valid one hundred percent. I feel like if they change some of the lines in the English dub to lean away from that, you would have a completely different feel and context for. It. And I feel like that at least it would have lightened it up a little better than just being like, "Oh, she deserved it." You know what I mean? And that's, um, and that's indicative of the whole, you know, the core heart of the story is the Midori-Seiji pairing getting really dark with things like uh, potential gang rape and pedophilia and showing mm -hmm. guys' underwear. Those are the things that, like, are padded onto the show and really don't also work. They the, clash. Also the weird scene where he tries to put Midori back in her body and her little tiny body rubs against her naked boob for some reason. Take old bitties. Mom, why didn't we put her in pajamas at least? Jesus Christ. Should I go get uh, should I go get Jet? Because Jen's a nurse. I'm gonna go ask her, hey, if someone goes in a coma, do they strip them <laughs> naked? I'm gonna go no, ask her that. I'll see don't. what she says. No, no, they shouldn't. I've watched enough Grey's Anatomy to know that that is not the case. <laughs> I said that to my doctor anyway. who's giving me surgery on Friday. I said, I know how this works. I've watched Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> Anyway, anyways, um, no, but I, 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 a hundred percent agree that with Megan that the motivation or the setup as to why Takako fell in love with Seiji, not the greatest of circumstances. Um, again, I feel like if there was a little bit of a slight line change in some of the background, it might at least ease it up a tiny bit. Um, but I thought Molly was okay. 
Like, a lot of these characters to me were okay. And again, they either leaned on stale piece of white bread or overly obnoxious. Some of the overly obnoxious performances were more because of stereotypes and tropes. So Joshua as Takumizawa, kind of a stereotype and trope trope there. A little bit dated, um, but points of stance. Zoe Martin kind of leans into a trope of the big, like, tough girl, like, tough big sister kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, I, I like the more obnoxious ones leaned heavily, I think, in more of those tropes. And it was just kind of like, OK, this is where we're going. That's fine, I guess. Um, <laughs> what accent was I, that? Don't fucking. OK, I guess. I don't know. Um, it wasn't that bad. Like, it wasn't. I'm not saying it was bad. I was, I'm not saying it was bad. I was like, it's OK, I guess. I mean, the most normal sounding person of the bunch, at least given the circumstances, uh, would either be to me mm-hmm. Molly Weaver as Takako mm-hmm. or Sean Elias Reese as Osamu. Oh, definitely. Those Osamu. ones, yeah, Osamu, like, it's fine. Because he didn't get to Molly do Weaver is the close second. Yeah. And El- he doesn't really do anything except getting his ass kidnapped all the time, the shit kick out of him. Pretty much. Like, he, 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 mm-hmm. he doesn't get, like, uh, comedically pervy moments when it's like, guy, no. hey, hey, dude, there's two girls who want to see you. Two girls. girls. Ah, ah. It's like, no, he, he yeah. doesn't. He keeps yeah. it pretty reserved. No, yeah. Also, I, I like, like that those two girls literally stuffed him into a fucking trash can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like, oh, he he went to the store to get you stuff because you were sick. No, no, bitch. <laughs> we stuffed his ass in the trash can. Mm-hmm. Um. Gigi, how do you feel about these performances? You know, I talked on a couple of them already. Uh, Shiori's voice, for the most part, was very cringe to me. Not as cringe mm-hmm. as somebody else we're going to talk about, but I just... Mm-hmm. I, like, at one point, I literally screamed at the TV, She's a baby! Yes. Like, I just... I couldn't, I couldn't get over, like, the writing around her character. It just really yeah, was no. not great, but... That aside, I, I don't feel the same that you guys do about her serious moments being the good acted ones. I think it's the other way around. Uh, oh, you, the, you really? Yeah, because at the end of her serious, her quote unquote serious episode, I was just kind of like, where did that ending come from? And why did it end on such like <laughs> a flat place? You know what? I agree with Gigi. I, I, That's I, fair. I feel like uh, it's not that the, the comedic moments were better morally but i do feel like she got to uh shine a little bit more and i didn't quite buy the um uh the the more serious moments where she like kind of reconciles with her stepmom or she's talking about and she's in heaven my mom is in heaven with the angels there is no heaven she's being devoured by worms no i i, I, I <laughs> there is there is no heaven she's 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 uh there is no heaven she's decaying yeah i bet she's if your mom decaying was decaying in the ground i bet if your mom was here she would say help let me out of this box <laughs> I'm telling you, the outtakes are the best. Ladies part of and show. gentlemen, the Those du- the, the outtakes are gold. They guys. are. It's great. Um, they yeah, are. I just I didn't I didn't feel like it was great. And this is not the only person I'm going to talk about when I say this. Um, honestly, I really liked the girl who played Takako. I thought she was great. She like her sundere was a little too dairy for me but other than that mm, i think yep. especially during the little shoujo manga parts like she actually had some emotion Aww. in her voice and i was 
Those sent me into orbit, man. They were I was, I, I was happy with like a lot of like I felt like she had genu- genuine emotion for everything that was going on with her. And that's a very mm-hmm. conflicted and very difficult character to play for all that she goes through. It reminded me of mm-hmm. Yui in Fushigi Yugi who, oh my god, fucking poor Yui, reminded me of the main girl in Boys Over Flowers. Both similar situations. And, you know, you have to have emotion when you're portraying everything that these characters are going through. And I thought she did a pretty good job. I think Takako's performance was actually my favorite other than the cat. So... (laughs) I will agree. She's up there for me, honestly. I mean, it was good. Yeah, the I I also like uh, these Sundari characters that are much more on the Dere side than the Soon. Um, I'm not a fan of like the Toradora archetype where the characters just kind of shrill and unlikable. Yeah, I hate and that. I did. I did like Molly's little speech she had with her friends near the end of the show, where she was kind of talking about how her crush is unrequited, and it's mm-hmm. like this is still the same character who back at the beginning of the show was talking about you know just bad mouthing Siji solely for the fact that he wasn't you know, a good person in her eyes. So that's a good range. Yeah. And I, I think it helped that the show actually gave her that kind of a range. It's just a shame she had to go through the arc of what they put her through because this manga was clearly written by a guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> clearly. Again, if they reframed the motivations, then we wouldn't have this conversation, but here we are. The last um, the last thing I'll say is that uh, as much as we've bad-talked some of the actors in this group, uh, none of them are the worst actor in this whole group. The very worst actor, <sighs> the very, very worst, is Shiori's dad. And I'm... because. <laughs> and here's the thing, is that you hear him and that is a that is like a Microsoft Sam speaking voice. And as soon as we started recording, I had to look up who voices Shiori's dad. And lo and oh, behold, no. it's a pseudonym. Oh, it's a pseudonym. Oh, it's, it's a, a it's a. Mm. It's it's. Oh. A, yeah, yeah. You can look it up on oh. your. Oh. So that's uh. Mm. Let's worst. Leave it there. Mm. Yeah, let's leave it at the. Mm. Mm. Let's leave it there. So, Never anyway. talk about that again. So yeah, mixed bag on the supporting cast for Midori Days. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just like, wow, that is okay. Mm. That is a name, guys. That is a name. That it is. <laughs> Anyways, I'm done talking uh, about these groups. They, they try. Are we ready to move on to our uh, main duo? Let's go. Yes. Our handy dan- our handy dandy main duo. Hell yeah! All right. She even has so an we- notebook. <laughs> oh my god, she does. She really does. <laughs> it's literally handy and dandy. Oh Jesus! Okay, Seiji Sawamura think, and Midori Kasugato. I think Midori wanted to give Seiji a handy dandy. No, <laughs> on countless occasions. No, she did not. She, she was she was shy about seeing stuff like that. Like you know, she was modest. Not when she was his right hand. She wasn't. She wasn't shy. She was very talkative. Um. Anyway, our lead character, no. Seiji Imadori. Yeah, I, mean, I just had a very cursed thought. I don't want to say it because I do not want to ruin the '90s children's childhoods. Oh, I Are you talking about Blue's Clues? 
Look, I, I'm enjoying the resurgence of Blue's Clues, not just because of the movie that came out, but because everybody pairing Blue from Blue's Clues with Bluey from Bluey nowadays. Like, no, that's it's... wholesome. Let's keep it that way. I know, and that's why I must die with this accursed knowledge in my brain. Excellent. Good. Take it to your grave. How about how about you give us the cursed knowledge later? How's that sound? Okay. Just so we can all suffer later. Um, bonus anyways. content. <laughs> yeah, bonus content ain't gonna be coming on the, the episode. Uh, Seiji and Midori. Uh, we have our leads. Seiji Sawamura. He is a 17-year-old delinquent student who is feared for his fighting skills. Seiji fights to protect the weak using his powerful devil's right hand and is nicknamed Mad Dog Sawamura. Fighting people has a price, however, including girls fear everyone, including girls, fear him. He's gone through 17 years without a girlfriend and, and two he months. wants one very badly in two months. <laughs> <Gotta> <laughs> they be, make a point in that. Gotta cap them. Um and then, so Seiji, our wonderful hero, ladies and gentlemen, um, whose only redeeming quality is protecting the weak and not taking the advances of a fucking child. Thank you. Um, he's a smart boy. That's a, that is a low, uh, low bar to clear. Congratulations on I doing know. the bare minimum. <laughs> yeah. um, they call- so, sorry, they, they called that out in the outtakes too. You did the right thing. By what? Not boning an unconscious girl? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Uh, Midori Kasagano. She is a 16-year-old girl who ends up as Seiji's right hand. Uh, she has had a crush on him for three years. One day, she wishes to be with him so much so she finds herself in the place of his right hand. This causes problems for him since he it is his devil's right hand that he punches with. Midori's real body is in a coma, and her mother tries everything to bring her Except back. for putting clothes on her. I was just going to say <laughs> that. Except for putting clothes on her. Clearly, yeah, that's what pretty... was holding it up the whole time. Oh, Clearly, Lord. Midori is from a family of nudists. <laughs> Obviously not, because all the... If that was true, all, all of the butlers and maids would have been nude. It's oh actually just... They, they actually got a shaman to make everybody appear like they had clothes on just to keep up appearances. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway, uh, voicing our two leads. As Seiji Sawamura, we have Drew Aaron, who has voiced characters such as uh, Keiichi Morisato in On My Goddess, uh, Iori Miyamoto and Soshi Okita in Shura no Toki Age of Chaos. Otherwise than that, he's had some minor roles. Uh, Midori is voiced by Heather Fernandez. Uh, she has voiced characters such as Zoe Drake in Dinosaur King, uh, Kiki Benjamin in the original Tokyo Mimu dub from Four Kids, and Makiko in Let's Go Tomagachi. So, where the fuck do we start? <laughs> My ears hurt. Oh god, she was pudding! What? Oh, that's, that, that's what they changed. Kiki Benjamin was the name that they changed uh, Blue Ling Huang to in uh, Mimi Power. Ah, gotcha. Oh, God. Okay, so... I'm gonna give a little bit of credit for the show. Um, so, a lot of the sh- Midori's performance is a fucking, like, pitched up on purpose. Yeah, I know. I, I figured that out. Like, there's a, there's a yeah. clear break, like, from where Midori is... Baby hand Midori, hand job Midori, as to Midori is human size Midori. Because even Chris said, you can definitely tell that they changed it. And I said, yeah, I know that they changed it. 
but the fact is is that little hand job midori is so shrill and high pitched yeah. it just sounds like this oh my god you guys Gigi, you just went so high pitched my discord started cutting you out for our safety see <laughs> Um, but the only other reason I was trying to bring that up is um, they do similar uh, vocal work with um, Drew as Seiji. When Seiji becomes the right yeah, hand. When Seiji becomes the perfect, car, car, the perfect hands-on carpet butcher. Like, um. there's so... <laughs> There's so many other ways that this could have happened to where my ears didn't mm-hmm. suffer permanent damage. When right. when Midori is is talking and she's normal sized, she almost sounds like Monica Rial. And I was like, okay, like I hear the tonals, the tonal similarities here. I can see like what you could have been going for. I get mm-hmm. it. But the problem is, is that when she's so tiny, she has dog whistle octave range and it fucking yeah. kills me and I can't understand anything she's saying other than Seiji I love you Seiji forever <laughs> and I'm just Seiji I love you oh me. my god but it's worse than Ouch. that it's just so bad it's, it's worse than my impression like worse. I just like it just it literally hurt me and the mixing is so bad that I had to turn oh it up god. to hear Seiji so by the time Midori said something it was so loud and I was just kind Ooh. of like Oof, I I can't even like comment on Kether's acting ability because I feel that it was okay when Midori was normal, but when she was small, which is three quarters of the anime, it's like intelligible or unintelligible. Mm -hmm. Sorry. I I don't know. Like there's just. If she didn't have that shrill of a voice, it probably would have been handled a lot better. which and means there are, the performance might have been there better. There are a lot of high-pitched voice actresses, even today in the year mm-hmm. of our Lord 2023, that can, can yes. do something high-pitched, but you can understand what they're saying and they can put acting and thoughtful emotion into it. And mm. I just, something was up with this. Like, I don't know what they were the, going for here, but it Well, the problem it is hurt. that... It, the problem is that if you switch over to the Japanese... It sounds identical, and they did not, oh, and they did no. not pitch it. That is just the the actual Seiyu's acting voice. Like she might be uh, putting a little falsetto into it to get up there, but it's still the level there that they had in Japanese. And so they have the choice when they adapted it. So, I don't even think that do they we pitched it in the English version. Hold I think on. that's yeah, her we, talking. Yeah. It, well, so what you're trying to tell me, basically is what Midori Days did with Midori is they pulled a Kari Walgren and Fooly Cooley. They tried to match to the same match the, totally. Yes, they do. And it's in stark okay. contrast to Seiji, who sounds nothing like his Japanese counterpart, for the better, in my opinion. But that's such a hard card mm. to pull out because just yeah. the way that English speakers natively talk is so different from the way that Japanese speakers natively talk that to try and yeah. to try and match with a Japanese seiyu just it it's it's a very hard task to pull off and this obviously didn't do it very well like I didn't it's, listen to the Japanese so I can't make any mm-hmm. any words about it but it 
Right. I just, I just and wanted even, to understand what she was saying. <laughs> and the sad part is, is that Midori is honestly the heart of the the good parts of the show because you have a character who's been demonized by the surrounding community, grew up in a kind of a toxic family. I think. Uh, Terry, yeah, his sister basically beat the shit out of him. Yeah, but and even though Midori in Midori, by contrast, grew up in this like cold, uh, loveless, rich household that didn't really let her be her own individual. Now, getting to be free from those shackles, she gets yeah. to not only does she get to find out more about who she is, but her affection for Seiji kind of warms his frozen heart and makes the whole show a lot more wholesome than the surrounding uh, elements that we just complained about for ninety minutes would have you believe. Mm-hmm. So again, it goes back to what you said earlier of the core is there. It's just unfortunately drowned out by all of this like mm-hmm. obnoxious, meaningless bullshit. Like I think I could I could have uh, understood if they had directed uh, Keither Fernandez to sound more like Laura Bailey, like Toru from Fruits Basket, because that's a character who has a, kind of a higher pitch voice, but it's not so high that it grates some of the audience. Uh, mm-hmm. Like she didn't, gr- Keither uh, didn't grate my ears listening to this, but I can understand where you guys are coming from because it's unusual. Yeah. There are very few other English dub performances that sound exactly like Midori. No, you know what though? It's not that unusual. Like around this time period, there were a lot of very high pitched yeah. English vocal performances that sounded because probably because probably around this time. Um, because dubbing dubbing um, anime was really starting to like take off a bit more here. Um, so some some um, productions probably leaned more towards the fully coolie Kari Walgren voice matching route, um, probably to some success. And in this case, not so much. It, yeah, it doesn't help that this was right uh, time period wise. This is right before the Moe boom happened. And before mm-hmm. American productions had figured out how to adapt that style into an right. English voice acting, yeah, that we're used to nowadays, we didn't really have a template for that just yet. So you could call Keith or Fernandez kind of a trailblazer in getting over that learning curve that we needed to. It's like Midori walked so that Kyo Annie could run, basically. I I'm also not super like pleased as punch uh, about Keith or as Midori. I do think that the high pitch stuff does sometimes get on the nerve, but I overall didn't feel like it was by and far the worst part of the show. Um, yeah. I would actually like to say I like Drew Andrew as Seiji. I think that he, yeah. he actually does a really good job given the material that he's working with. I think that he does put his heart into it. And while it isn't, mm-hmm. I would say, like, perfect, it's, it's easily my favorite performance of the show. There, there are okay. times where he is genuinely very funny, but I think it's when he's at Seiji at his lowest was when he was the best. Midori, I, I, I don't really have much to add to Midori other than I thought it was just kind of okay. I think it could definitely get on people's nerves. Uh, and that I think even other performances at the time were much better than this surrounding it. Yeah. I... I also will agree that I I actually did like Drew Aaron as Seiji. Um, he he kind of was one of, weirdly enough, he's kind of one of the better performances because he was able to not 100% balance 
the different points of Seiji's character, but I think he managed to tackle them fairly well. Um, you can tell the difference between, like, when Seiji is being genuine um, towards people versus his tough guy persona versus him being angry about shit. You can tell those differences, and I think given what this show is and given the material that he was given, I think Drew Aaron actually did fairly well in that regard. Yeah, and it helps that the acting pool decided we're not going to cast the stereotypical gangster Japanese schoolboy that was in the original. They decided, okay, what would be the closest equivalent? And they they came up with this voice that it's more subdued, but it's also mm. more confident. And that makes you like the character a whole lot more. But I was going to say, it's a shame that a lot of these actors we really haven't seen in a lot of anime or really most of our voice acting. Like, I would be totally fine if Drew Aaron had gone on to be, like, uh, you know, more common in uh, anime as, like, a, a lead male in the two, in the mid-2000s. Hey, hey, Gigi. Yes, Megan? She want to know who plays uh, the lead uh, who wants to play Seiji in the Japanese version of Adore Days? Oh, do yes. I? You do. Who is it? It's Kisho. Kisho? You... Oh my god, he's the lead vocalist of Grand Rodeo, Jesus Christ. Oh my god. I thought Grand really? Rodeo was the, no. the guy who plays Natsuki. No, 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 that was old Codex. Grand Rodeo. He's Natsuki from fucking Udapri! That's what I just said. Yes. No, you said no. Your Makoto is She just she just said oh. Natsuki. She didn't say Makoto. She said Natsuki. Oh yes, he's that guy. My bad. Side note. Okay, I'm watching the sub now because I think it would be a whole lot better. <laughs> so I as a fun side note about Drew Aaron, um <laughs> He's done some theater, some television, and some film. Mm -hmm. uh, for theater folks out there, um, he did some performances of Rent in 2002, probably ah. taking over for Anthony Rapp as Mark Cohen. I was going to say, did he play the lead? Did he, yeah, he played, uh, he played Mark. He played Mark. It's it, He probably took over for Anthony Rapp, who was the original Mark on Broadway. Mm -hmm. um, who by he also did... Sorry, coincidentally enough, Anthony Rapp, also a lead actor in You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, the other Broadway show yep. based on yep. Charlie Brown. He also, Drew Aaron also was in High Fidelity on Broadway. He also did the South Pacific revival, it looks like, in 2008. Um, he, in the original Berkeley cast, he did American Idiot, which was that oh. musical based on songs by Green so Day. So what you're telling yeah. me is he's a Broadway actor. He does Broadway, now. he does a mix. He also did um, on Broadway, the last notable credit he has on Broadway, according to Wikipedia, Spider-Man Turn Off the Door. <laughs> oh man, that was a shit oh, no. show. Yeah, well, so did that guy from Degrassi. Was, wait, was he Spider-Man? <laughs> and, and, so and so did that guy from fucking Hadestown. Uh, so he <laughs> was- was he in Degrassi, he was, Gigi, Stephanie? Gigi wants to know. So was he in Degrassi? Hold on, I'm... no, oh. <laughs> he was not. So show. who was in? Who was Spider Man? Who was in Degrassi? So it was Craig was, Manning, he, he the was... best Degrassi character. 
<laughs> so Spider-Man turned off the dark. He was primarily Flash Thompson in the in the show as well as ensemble. But um, my guess is he also understudied for Peter Parker Spider-Man as well. Remember that um, shit show? Spider-Man turned out the dark. Uh, probably he probably understudied for Reeve Carvey. Uh, Reeve Carvey is um, he he originated Spider-Man in the musical, I believe, and he's that's cool. Also Orpheus, the original Orpheus for Hades. No right way. Now in Rod Bry. So, he's really good. So what you're he's really good at his Orpheus. Okay, so what we're saying is we missed out on the universe where he became, uh, you know, a staple of the voice acting sphere, but that's okay because he went on to be a really prominent Broadway performer. Well, the last time he was on any show was in 2011, 2012. He did, in terms of TV, uh, New Amsterdam. NCIS and Taken Away films. I mean, so did everyone. I could um, be on fucking NCIS if I wanted to. <laughs> I know. That and Law and Order. Uh, he, everyone for films in New he York's did in Across the Universe in 2007. Oh, the, the movie right? based on the Beatles songs? Correct. Um, he did, he also had a couple of studio, his own studio anyway. albums, things like that. Hmm. But well, anyway, can, I figure fun Can we talk yeah, yeah. about how there. horrible the ending of this show is where... Midori, oh, as a human, proclaims to good old Seiji, I love you. And he just is like, uh-huh. And then she's like, <laughs> do you mean? And he just goes, yeah. The and that's the end. Hell. There's no kiss. The- there's no I love you. There's nothing. And that gives yeah, you a solo. There's never a kiss in an anime romance. Oh, oh that's, boy. That's I'm looking over the up top, a- I'm looking up Keither Fernandez anyway, right now. Well, well, let, no, let's bitch about the ending for a little bit. Okay, so the ending was had to come end the way it did. There was no other way it was going to end. <laughs> it was the be, old Han Solo. He did not have to say, yeah. yeah. yeah he did pull like the, up, I love you, I know. No. Yeah, of course. He's just the best. <laughs> no, that's what he did, yeah. Like, even his, yeah, was like, it felt like the end of, like, an edgy 90s teen movie. Where, like, he's, like, the cigarette drops and, like, the Matchbox 20 song plays. (laughs) Okay, it would have helped if there was some some banana ice cream, and I'm just kind of like, I'm over it. Well, it's evocative of the opening, the same shot. (laughs) But I skip the opening almost every time. How can you skip the opening? Because it's a minute and 30 that I don't have to watch on Tubi. Okay, that's fair. But it's a banger oh. song. No, it's not. And it probably Oh my god. I-, I think it is. I like that song. I mean, like I thought um, I thought Drew was pretty good at Seiji. I thought he had really good comedic timing. Um, but his yeah and his serious stuff I didn't feel was that great until the very end. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. I'm I'm sorry. I'm distracted by looking at fucking Steph. Keith Fernandez. Do you want now? me to bring you on track? Do you want me to bring you back to this world? Girl, girl, virtually look at me. Girl, girl, look away <laughs> from Fuck you. Look, away from, say look this. away from the Wikipedia. Eyes on me. I, virtual eyes on me. Girl. girl so, okay. Girl. No. I'm going to bring. I need to bring this up. I really you have five do. seconds. So pr- you get one digression. No, I don't. One digression. So. Fuck you! I'm the host, bitch. One Um, anyway. Did you just call me a grassy? So, okay, okay, Two okay, okay. <laughs> Keither Fernandez has actually done quite a bit of film and TV, but she has also done a decent amount of voice roles, uh, not just in anime, but also cartoons. Um, have y'all heard of a show called Bird Girl? No. Oh, you mean the, you mean the, the Harvey Birdman attorney at Law spinoff? 
Bird girl, yeah. She's Jillian. I, is that the lead girl? No, in that? that means nothing to me. No. Uh, yeah, Jillian so. is the assistant. Ah. That means absolutely. Oh, oh. I just heard Andrew in the other room. Really? Oh, Bird Girl. <laughs> that that was that show on PBS, right? No. No. That was Wishbone. No, no, no. She's no. also. No, by no, the way, she's also done additional. By the way, she's also done additional voices for Tuca and Birdie. Um, oh, okay. Let's see, Robot Chicken. But you're missing uh, the most. Dad. You're missing the most important Nickelodeon show that she was a lead voice in. Yeah. Hey, it's Kappa Mikey. Fuck off! No, she Go wasn't fuck Mikey. yourself. Get, don't you bring Kappa Mikey into this household? I don't even know what that is. She wasn't Kappa Mikey. She did the four dub, four kids dub for Wings Club as well. Look, any show that um, gets the Beaker series through their theme song cannot be all bad. She's done quite a bit of voiceover work, actually. Not just in... I mean, her anime credits are not that much, but she's done a variety like of Like I said, I'm anyway, sure I can done. tell she's not a bad actress. It's just it's that just, it was no, pitched yeah. up so high that dogs could hear it. So what we need to do to bring this back on track is... Can I bring How this? does this show rank in terms of the other shows we've done for Valentine's episodes? In terms of, like, Most Romantic to uh, Nakaimo. <laughs> it's better than Nakaimo. <laughs> I don't think it's so. I'd rather watch Nakaimo than this. Why? Are you, you kidding me? You fucking hate yourself. Are you kidding this me? This was so boring. <laughs> I was so bored. Oh my I, god. It, I, will, I will agree with Gigi that it was actually rather boring. It only had maybe a couple of fun, like, little one See, See, I the reason it, I will agree it's boring, I just don't want to watch Nakaimo again because I like going for a show without the risk of incest. That's yeah. Listen, yeah. I do got, not. You got yeah. ten year old dominatrix in this show, so pick your poison. I do, I do not. But at least I don't want to play smart, a smart enough boy to not go. I for don't want to play the Alabama roulette. Ding 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 ding. Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. Okay, okay. So, like, is there any other thoughts on Drew Aaron Asagi and Keitha Fernandez as no? These these two needed to. Just block the rest of the group, mostly out of the out of the show, and just have their show. The show is called My Days with Midori, not, not my, days my Days getting my... spanked around by a ten-year-old dominatrix. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I always thought this show and Green Green were like interchangeable, but I guess not. See, somebody oh, asked. So I was talking about how uh, how I do terrible terrible uh, shows for Valentine's Day with people, and somebody asked me if we had done Green Green yet. Uh, that's definitely show. not going to be my pick for next year, but somebody else feel free to steal it. Uh, I'm not, because I've heard horrible, horrible things about the Green Green anime. Josh, I know you're listening to this. For your next Patreon request, no, uh, go ahead no. and throw Green Green in there. Wait, what the fuck? Bryce Pappenbrook's in it? It's got Wait, some real what? actors in it. It's just an awful, awful oh, no. show. Oh, no. But that's... Oh, no. Anyway, but this show, is there any other th- no. is there any other thoughts on Drew or Keith or no? no? Okay. I think we're good. Let's move this over to final thoughts. Yes, let us do that. On the English dub of Midori Days. It's been Who fun. Wants to go final first? thoughts. Don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Gigi, don't. <laughs> anyway, final thoughts. Okay, fine, I'll go. This is yeah, this is not this is not a great show. I do understand why it got notoriety when it first came out, and it wasn't just for the uncensored fan service. That was honestly the lowest appeal to me when I first saw it. I was like, can we get this without that? This feels out of place. Because the sweet moments where Seiji and Midori are kind of balancing each other out, Seiji gives her confidence, 
Midori gives him uh, romance, only in the sense of, like, someone can actually show that they love you even with your rougher edges. That is nice. Like, I like that part of it. The dub did capitalize on that dynamic and was saddled with all these other characters who don't really advance that plot very much. But that said, I don't I don't begrudge any of the actors in this. And if you out there are listening and wondering, should I watch this in dub or sub? Honestly, this is perfectly listenable in dub. Uh, the pitch thing is going to follow you even if you go into the Japanese. And you might get a chuckle out of some of the, the dated slang and the attempts to sound... Uh, hip and natural in some of the language. There's no offensive wordage, thankfully. We've talked about shows where they've thrown in language that's become uh, unacceptable anymore. And we None s- of that is in this show. Yeah, thankfully. thankfully. There is, yes. there are, however, racist stereotypes. Yes. Yeah. But again, that that comes from the original uh, visuals on screen. So uh, I, I mean, again, I'm gonna I rank this at like a a six and a half out of ten in terms of like the dub itself. And the show itself, if you just focus on those really nice moments, it's like it's like an 8 out of 10. It's just a shame you gotta trudge through going on a date, you little bitch. And <laughs> the outtakes are the best part. Yeah, the outtakes are really the good. The outtakes are the best part. Look up the outtakes. That's all you need are the outtakes. That's all you need. Yeah, so, so good, good product of its time. That's where I'll end it off. Uh, I do think it's a product of its time. I also don't think it's worth your watch as a show in general. I think you could do better rom-coms of that time mm-hmm. um like you you genuinely could do better rom-coms uh the dub is a product of its time i personally think it's not very good i think it feels very cheap and very dated uh but i'm not going to begrudge the actors who went on to it um i just i just didn't like this dub and i'm allowed to not like things um so i i would honestly give this a pass you could do so much better on your valentine's day like getting an actual hand job <laughs> there it is Gigi do you have any other thoughts or just don't mm, don't pretty much sums it up There, it's okay. on Tubi guys oh. why would you waste your time watching commercials unless it's for like the movie Cube which I also watched <laughs> on Tubi but if you watch the last Cube movie it has the voice of original Sailor Moon in it as an actress and I think you should watch that on Tubi you'd have a better time Okay, there we go. Uh, as for my final thoughts, I completely forgot about this show, and I've been and I've owned this DVD set for f- over a fucking decade. Um, so the show itself, in general, the Dory Days is a product of its time, both in terms of the show itself as well as the dub. Um, there. There is some potential there, I will say that, but it kind of, like Noah was saying, kind of gets drowned out by a lot of the noise that happens with it. Um, the dub is okay. It's not something to write home about. Um, there are some pr- there are some decent performances, and a lot of the a lot of the some of the better performances weirdly enough are some of the char- like the stereo tr- stereotypes character tropes um being like Reen and Takimizawa um but it, you're probably going to spend your time better watching something else really you are um but if you are into like if you're into the weird 
weird comedic moments and the obnoxious noise and things like that, <laughs> by all means, have at it. Enjoy yourself. It's not my kind of thing. Um, with that being said, if you are interested in watching the English dub of Adori Days or Midori Days in general, there's only one way you can fucking watch it, and we've alluded to it a few times. It is streaming on Tubi. That's it. There, It is completely out of print in terms of physical releases. Is it, it is not on Crunchyroll. It is not even on Retrocrush. Um, well, Tubi is the only place you'll be able to find this show. Unless you are stupid lucky and managed to find um, one of the DVD sets. I'm looking it up right like now. I yeah, did. I'm looking like, how expensive are these yeah, DVDs? Yeah, I'm going to look That's this like, up too because I don't own this either. <laughs> I don't you, can wa- you can buy a digital copy for $36 on Amazon. I'm sure... Why? I can't imagine that used copies are going for very much on like uh, eBay, eBay or anything like that. I, I doubt it. Um, but yeah, the only place if you want to stream it really is uh, TV. Yeah, that's true. Oh my um, god, somebody, if you buy the box, really it's it. called the Handheld Collection. <laughs> I saw some, someone's got it up for like $17 and like, three bu- and like 30 bucks. Yeah, so not the yeah, worst. Yeah, not the worst 17 bucks you could spend. Do I spend seventeen dollars on this? <laughs> do I spend seventeen dollars on do this I, show? Do I spend or seven? Do I, or, do I spend seventeen dollars on this, or do I, pay, or do I put more money into Final Fantasy fourteen? Or do I go get ice cream? I like the. Ice I could cream roll more. for Twisted Wonderland with seventeen dollars. There you go. There you I could go. pay my MRI uh, bill. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Anyway, if you're interested in anything that we here at Dub Talk do, um, you can catch us every couple of weeks. Uh, we were mo- we've moved to a bi-weekly schedule. We're um, all busy. Hor- this- we're all horrible, busy adults. <laughs> we're busy, horrible adults. We moved to a bi-weekly schedule now in terms of releases. I don't think that has been announced yet. Um, but if if not, then here you Exclusive. go. Um if you want to check out anything that we do on Dub Talk on the regular, uh, you can do so on YouTube at Dub Talk Podcast, as well as um, various audio platforms, those being Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Podbean. Uh, if you're interested in any, if you want to follow us on social medias or any other fun, random things we do, uh, we are available. We are available. Why did I say that? <laughs> uh, you can follow us on Twitter. It's uh, we also have. <laughs> I guess uh, <laughs> we are av- we're available. Take us to dinner, man. No, um, <laughs> we are also we also have an Instagram and a Tumblr that we are hoping to try and get back off the ground, um, especially because at the time, hopefully, of this release, uh, the Viewers' Choice W Award nominations will be out. Voting will be available. Uh, please go vote for your favorites uh, for this year. Yes. Uh, other fun things that Dub Talk does, we also do some gaming streams on Twitch on the semi-regular. And uh, if you miss any of the streams that we take part in, we also have a YouTube channel, uh, Dub Talk Gaming, where all of our, our our Twitch VODs tend to live. Uh, in terms of anything else that these wonderful folks here have done... Uh, plug yourself. Hot. Starting Can with I go first? Megan. Yes, I must say starting with Megan. Hi, I'm Megan. You follow me, Queen Era 2, where I ship posts on the regular and talk about Final Fit and retweet probably a lot of Final Fantasy 14 art. Next. 
You can follow me on Twitter at NoahClue because uh, all this discussions about animation stuff needs to go somewhere. Um, and I have a YouTube channel, uh, which is uh, you type in NoahClue, you will be able to find it. Hope I'm in the process of scripting stuff out. If I have the time to do it, I haven't slept in 48 hours because my full-time job keeps me very busy. But if I, You need to go to fuck I sleep, I bro. can't! My have job doesn't pay you, me to sleep. Have you really been up for 48 hours? I slept one hour at 2 a.m. And since then, yes, I've been going nonstop. But it's go okay, ahead. because God gave me a ton of better... <laughs> Well, while Noah takes well, a nap, uh, I'm Gigi. You can find sweet me little baby. on Twitter at Anime Palooza, <laughs> where uh, they close Shining Live, so I have nothing to do anymore, but I still do nothing. <laughs> I also have Sunrise, a YouTube channel. Please go watch some old videos so I can get a payout. Thanks. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> um, as for me, my name is Stephanie. I am also sometimes known as Lilac. You can follow me on Twitter at Lilac Anime Review with the review being spelled R E V U E. Um, I do have a blog, Life and Times Otaku.wordpress.com, that is pretty much dead. Um, but in terms of Twitch stuff, I have got, kind of started going back into streaming uh, on Twitch, on the Dub Talk podcast, Twitch. Um, at the time of this recording, you can catch me on. Tuesdays, uh, playing the Higarashi light novel with Amon. And then right now we're Andrew and I on Sundays have been playing Batman the Telltale series. So we have fun times with that. Uh I think that's Yay, it. happy Valentine's Day. Go be with the one you happy love. Happy Valentine's yeah, what are you Day. What are you doing for Valentine's Day? Uh Ooh. Wearing a shirt that says the way to my heart is paved with fever nuggets. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, lady, if you want, uh, remember, ladies, if you want him spurting like a shower, fill him with beaver nuggets. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just gonna say this: nothing tops Surrey Dairy Children with the ripping him open like a PS, like a like a fucking Nintendo 64. <laughs> rip your rip uh, your rip your lover rip your lover's organs out. <laughs> Nothing's gonna top that. Like rip her open like Nintendo sixty four on Christmas morning. Oh um, my god! You need to watch Surrey Dairy Children episode just for that context. It's I fucking would like great. To die now. Oh, or it's okay, or, so, I'm going to go watch die. Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey for Valentine's Day. I think that's all very right. That I'm is very appropriate. Be working. Yeah, me too. I'm actually gonna Make be sure. out of town. <laughs> And for, for all the men out there, make sure to snuggle your significant other because snuggling without the expectation of sex is also a really great way to show that you care. But you can also pump her full of baby oh. batter, too. Good night! Jesus Christ! Good night, Back everybody. to the cage thanks with for, all of you. Thanks for uh, watching. Oh my god, I we did we, a whole uh, episode yes. with no cage jokes. Wow! <laughs> Oh my god, that is a that is a record we'll have to now. Step it up anyway. Because it's Disco Thank Tech Day and we all want to go watch this Twitch stream. And we miss the entire stream. <laughs> god damn it. That's a, that's yeah. what... <laughs> Thank you everybody. Have a good night. Happy Valentine's Day. And I'll talk on my friends. Good night. <laughs>